Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. Good morning once again. Well, like I said, last week we focused on community and you can see the beauty of community just as the testimony that was shared by Josephine from Mustard Seed and Jason of what a community means and what a community can do. And of course, what you may be missing out if you choose to be not part of a community. Today, I look at worshipping, worshipping, what is worshipping. I thought I'll do it in one Sunday, but it seems as though I might do it in two or three Sundays because this is such a critical part of what uh, our focus is. This was given to us by our elders. The leadership team had been thinking through this uh, from the month, I think of, um, what is the month before October? August. Is it? Yes. They've been thinking about this from August and oh, September. You're misleading me. And so they, they came up with this uh, focus statement. They gave it to us on November, um, November about 13th or 15th of November. A worshiping community united in faith, stepping up to partner with God in love. And so we're just beginning to look at each word and how it applies to us and how it can apply to us. And as we go into the year, how we can see God working in our lives. They came up with this statement after looking at how, where, the, where they felt the Lord was leading us uh, for the next five years. And so this is part of our journey that we believe that the Lord is leading us as we focus on particular areas, a worshiping community, united in faith, stepping up to partner with God in love. Our Bible reading is from, I think, Three or two passages. This is John chapter 16. I'll start with John chapter 16 from verse 13 to 14. And as we get to verse 14, please notify the word glorify. All right? Let me read chapter 16 first from verse 13 to 14. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. This is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. And then we go to verse chapter 17 from verse 1 to 2 first. And this is now Jesus speaking. He's, he's completed his, his ministry on this earth. He's just about to complete and he's speaking to his disciples. And, he, and it's written, after Jesus said this, he looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given to him. And then still in the same chapter from verse 3 to 5 now, now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. For those of you who take notes, I will be looking at uh, this uh, particular sermon, I'll be looking at six um, areas. The first area is what is worship? What is worship? Second is 
when do we worship? Or why do we worship? And then uh, when do we worship? How the Trinity glorify one another? Where do we worship? And who do we worship? What is worship? Worship is an it comes from a, a very old English word. It is called worship. And, 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 and it is something to do with worth. Some, the, the way you see something and, and it's worth and how you give it its worth. And, and begin to live or react or behave towards that thing according to its worth. In such a way that it transforms your whole life. It's basically an act of ascribing ultimate value to something in a way and in a manner that energizes and engages your whole person, your whole being. It involves the mind, the will, and the emotions. And some of the things that we do when we are talking of worship, and this we give them the highest degree possible, it's reverence. We pay homage. We, we, we give grateful submission to that thing. We adore that thing. And we give it respect. And basically, we, we, we have it somewhere where we feel this thing is of ultimate value. The question comes, why do we worship? Just like last week when we were looking at the whole area of community, it is almost the same reason why we worship. You may recall, I mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1, the way the Bible begins. It begins by, in the beginning, Elohim, using the plural of God, indicating the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the fact that they, they participated in creation, and they put their stamp of who they are as a community on creation. And so the reason we, we worship is because we've been created in their image and we mirror who they are. And they are always glorifying one another. They are always glorifying one another. And so we become in their likeness because of who they are. The other question is when do we worship? Again, for the same reason. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are continuously glorifying one another. They're continuously looking at one another and just glorifying each other. And because of that, and because we've been created in their likeness, we are continuously in worship. Even right now, you are worshiping something. You're already ascribing ultimate value to something. And so the world is just not divided into people who worship and people who don't worship. We are all continuously worshiping, whether we know it or not. But let's look how, at how the Trinity glorify one another. There are two aspects to how the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit glorify one another. And this can teach us how to worship. There is a first aspect where there is this uh, adoring, there's this uh, beauty. They just look at beauty, and beauty here is not necessarily just the external, but you're talking of the excellence of 
one's generosity, the excellence of one's justice, the excellence of one's love. And, and they are just captivated. The father, God the father is just captivated by the son's submission and, 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 and love for justice and so on and so forth. And, and the son is amazed and just glorified by the, the father's um, goodness and, 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 and just glorifies him. And so the Holy Spirit does the same. So there's this beauty that just draws you but allows you to worship. But it's just not one-sided if you look at them. You're not glorifying someone if you're serving them conditionally. If I say I'll serve or help you because I'm getting a benefit out of it, then that is not glorifying. So if a young man sees a very beautiful young lady and he wants, he looks at her and is attracted to her, but his purpose is to use her, then that is not glorifying. Or if your purpose is to look at this beauty of just this generosity of this person and you begin to design ways of how you'll fleece that person because they are generous, then you are not glorifying that person. In fact, you're just thinking about yourself and how that person will be coming around you. This is what uh, Cornelius says about God. About God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He says, now because God does not seek his own glory, but seeks the glory of others, because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are circling each other, glorifying each other, adoring each other, serving each other, deferring to each other, because the Son, because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are giving glory, glorifying love to one another, God is infinitely joyful. They're not selfish. They're just giving. The father looks at the son and goes round the son and goes round the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit looks at the father and the son and just goes around them and they're just amazingly giving out. And because of that, they are joyful. That is what God has in himself from all eternity. He's infinitely joyful because he does not seek his own, but he seeks the glory of others. That's Cornelius. And so, uh, Tim Keller then following up on that, he begins to ask the question, if God is always giving, if God is always caring about the others, then the Christians may ask, he says this Tim Keller, but you may ask, but every single page in the Bible, God is telling us to glorify him, to serve him, to adore and to praise him. You need to see why he's asking us to do this. It is because he wants our joy. If he was a unipersonal God, that is not a triune God, but one person, one God, one person in that sense. You would say that he's creating the world so that he could have beings who give him worshipful love. He might be creating a world to get the joy. But our triune God already has that. And he has it far better from within himself in a far better form and in a more pure form and in a more powerful form than we are ever going to give to him. He must have created us not to get, but to give us his joy. He must have created us for us to get into the dance. To invite us in to say, if you glorify me, if you center your entire life on me, if you find me beautiful for who I am in myself, then you will you'll, you'll step into the dance. And this is what you are made for. 
Not just to believe in God in some general cognitive belief or way. This concept of dance was created in the 4th century by some of the church fathers who were trying to understand the Holy Spirit. How they so harmoniously just work together and selfishly, each going around the other and the other one going around the other. And they call this a dance, a beautiful dance. And what Tim Keller here is saying is, God has invited us into this dance. A dance of unselflessness, a dance of thinking about the other, a dance of looking at the other person in that way. And so you and I were meant or were made to center everything in our lives around God. To think of everything in terms of our relationships to God. To obey him unconditionally. Give God the lordship of our lives instead of just playing with him. To obeying everything that he says. Whether we like it or not. To thank him in everything that he sends in our lives. Whether we like it or not. That is the invitation to dance. Instead of being stationary. And insisting. Well God I will come to church. I will do this. And, if, and, and, and that is if you, you give me good health if I come. And if you give me necessary what, everything that I need. And it is about me. It is about God orbiting around me. Instead of I orbiting around God. You can think of it like this. You can imagine if you found somebody who you really adore. And you think so much of this person. More than anything else in the world. And then you discover that that person feels the same about you. How does that make you feel? That, I believe, is like heaven. Beautiful. Because then you're thinking of just that person and you're thinking of the good of that person. And that person is thinking of the good of you. And this happens sometimes even with friends. You can have three, four friends. People who are just thinking about you and most of the time they're thinking about your good. You saw what Josephine was giving, a testimony of somebody who was just thinking about how good she didn't even know who that person is. But the person is just thinking about her good and the good of her son and so on and so forth. That's beautiful. If you are invited to go to a home and you know that in that home, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, these are friends, and they just live like that. And then you're invited to another home where people are so selfish. They're only thinking about themselves. Which one would you prefer to go to? Surely. And here we are. Being invited to join a family of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That have eternal joy because of the way they look at each other. Because of the way they glorify each other. Because God has created us in this way. Because human beings are always worshipping. The world, like I said earlier, is divided into people who worship the wrong things because we are always worshipping. Anytime. The people who worship the wrong things that distort their lives and people who worship the only one who is worthy of worship. The one who does not distort people's life. You know every single person has their hope in something. They say, if only I had that, if only, then I'll be okay. Then I would know who I am. Then, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have meaning. That is the particular thing that we are always worshipping. I was just reflecting my, for myself in the past, the, last, uh, the past week as I was thinking and just trying to understand some of the things that I was worshipping at that particular time. And 
I had started with a concern for my children. There was just a particular concern I had for my children. And then the concern moved from just a mere concern to a worry. And then that worry just captured me for two good days. And so, you know those moments you're having with the Lord, quiet time? And then I, I, just, I just sensed the Lord asking me, uh, who, is the, who is of ultimate value to you? Is it me or your children? And, and as, as I was later reflecting on that, I began to realize that the things that you fear most, the things that cause you most worry, sometimes you may have placed them at such high value that you begin to fear. What if this happens to these people? What if this does happen to these people? But if the Lord is of ultimate value, and I was just thinking this as I thought about it, I realized I cannot, even if the Lord were to tell me, you be where your children are, and I'm giving you charge of where your children are, and then the Lord moves away, I'm not even able to guarantee their safety. But when the Lord himself, I know he's in charge, I know he will guarantee the safety of my children. And I began to reflect, to think, wow, I was worshiping and I had given ultimate value to my family as opposed to the Lord. We are always, at any one time, even right now, worshiping one way or another. You see, we do not control ourselves because we are controlled by what we ascribe ultimate value to. What our entire being is oriented to around. It becomes the Lord of our lives. It could be power. It could be acceptance by other people. If acceptance by other people is your ultimate value to you, then you begin to want to find out what do these people like so that I can do what they like so that they can accept me. That then begins to control your life. It begins to be Lord over your life. It begins to be what you worship. So much so that almost all your entire life, the way you dress, the way you eat, is controlled by the people. If it is money, then it's the same thing. Whatever thing that it is, it completely orients our life and controls us. And so our ultimate problems, my brothers and sisters, it's about what we worship in life. And whatever that thing it is, some of the ways to, realize, to recognize, like I said, is what you are afraid of losing. What, what, what are you freaked out that this thing may go wrong? It might be the thing of ultimate value to you. Your relationship to that thing. Why is it that some people when they're in a relationship, and I'm not talking of married people here, some people when they're in a relationship, you'll see this one has broken with this one, and this one has broken with this one. But this one is so devastated by that breakup, and these ones are not. It's because probably this one had put that relationship or that person as of ultimate value, and that their life depended on it. Jesus Put it this way, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, when he said, for your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And you see, if you look at the way God created us and the way God put Adam in that garden, like I said, it is not an option, it's, there's no neutral place in regard to worship. You are always worshiping. 
It is either God or it is the tree. In Genesis chapter 2 from verse 16 to 17, he says, And the Lord commanded him, You're free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil, you'll certainly die. There's no neutral place. It is either the tree or it's God. And the tree, in most cases, it's me. Whatever you call it, it is always about me worshipping myself. Whether it's my career, whether it's the people around me, whether it is what it always ends up about, either worshipping myself or worshipping God. That is the choice that we have. Where are you? And it raises the question of where do we worship? Truly worship as we were meant to worship. And the answer is, is in the presence of God. For when Adam was in the presence of God, then he lived to his optimum. He lived at his best when he was in the presence of God. When he was where God was, when he obeyed God, when it was not the tree, but it was God. And so he was told by God to obey this tree. I mean, not to eat from this tree. But he did. He disobeyed God. And he did. But the second Adam was told about the tree as well. But that tree was the cross. And you realize that when God told Adam not to eat from this tree, he was basically telling him, I want your life to orbit around me. I want your life to be around worship around me, to see the excellencies around me and to orbit around me and not around yourself. Because that's not how the triune God works. It was to center his life around God and to serve him unconditionally. And that is called worship. And so when God tells Adam, don't eat of this tree, he never tells him why. Because you see, if you obey God because it will benefit you or because you know if I don't, if it's of this tree, it will do this and do, do this to me, then it becomes, God becomes a means to an end as opposed to being an end in himself. And so the whole thing turns out to be it is about me. And in that way then worship becomes about me, which in essence then becomes no longer the worship of the triune God, the triune God that we were meant for. God is saying, don't eat of this tree just because you love me, just because I say so, just for me. And that's what worship is about. And Adam failed. Satan encouraged him to fail. He came along and said, this idea of self-giving love where you make yourself totally vulnerable, where you orbit around other people will never work. And that same lie is still deep in our hearts. Because most of the time I'm afraid of trusting God that he has my good. That he's selfish, that he just wants it for himself. God said to Adam, eat, don't eat of this and you will leave. And it is that life that we are being called to when we are called to worship God. And so the second Adam, as having failed, he's told about the tree, about the cross. And he's told, you go on that tree and I'll crush you to death. And he did. And when Jesus died on that cross to pay for my sin and for your sin, what was in it for him? Nothing. 
Which means at that very point, he began to glorify us. He began to circle us, to go around us. And that is what he and God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit have been doing from eternity. That has been the dance. And now he moves it out towards us. And he honors us and he centers around us and and unconditionally shows us love. And when he was dying on that cross and when he died on that cross, he was inviting us to this dance. He moved towards us, invites us to the dance. He moves us to be move from a place of being stationary or just surrounding ourselves as opposed to just thinking about ourselves to a place of repentance and faith and to begin to orbit around him as he orbits around us. That is worship. And when we are pulled into this life of the triune God and we begin to get into the dance, then we begin to be as we were originally created. Precious to him, worshiping. Jesus, in John 17, that we read a bit earlier, in verse 6, he says something very interesting. He says, I have revealed you to those who to whom to those whom you gave me out of the world. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in them, so that they may be they may be brought to complete unity. I have revealed you to those you have you gave me out of the world. There's a story of a lady, told of a lady who had a jewelry, a brooch. And this brooch had been passed down generations. In fact, it reached a stage, it, it looked rather kind of dull, and it reached a stage no one even remembered or knew who had passed on that brooch or jewelry from who to who. All she knew at this stage was that her mother had passed it down to her. And most of the time, half of the time, no one even knew where that particular brooch or jewelry was. It was just there. All she knew is my mother passed it down to me. She had never seen anyone else with such a jewelry, and she didn't know what to do with it. But you know, a time comes in one's life when you kind of get broke. This was a middle class family. When you get broke and you begin to count coins. And she had reached there. And she, as she was counting the coins, she saw this brooch again, which she had not looked at for a while. And then she thought, why don't I just go to the jeweler and find out what this thing is worth? She didn't think much about it. And so on her way to the shop, she stopped by the jeweler and gave the brooch to the jeweler and asked the jeweler how much is, might this thing be? And as is usual, the jeweler, you know, the, those little glasses they put on their eye began to look at it, not thinking too much about it. But then a point reached. You know the way the light refracts and moves around in those little jewel thing? He just he began to breathe hard. And this lady noticed he changed on his face. Something was happening. And he reached a stage where he just went into shock. The jeweler had realized that the stone he was holding in his hand was of 
far much more value than everything that that every jewel that was in his shop for the last 30 years and he realized that this particular stone even the people who crafted it there were no longer any other people who even knew how to craft this particular stone anymore in that way and realized that this jewel was so precious and this middle class woman asked what is happening and the jeweler taught told her the value of that stone in pounds and this lady began to realize the ultimate value of this thing that she had just been keeping in the house and she realized that even the way she had been living counting coins at this particular stage and yet she had something that had been passed down to her of so much much more value that was going to change her whole life she left that shop and even though she had not gotten the pounds or sold the jewel her attitude changed completely transformed her life because of the value of what she had and i know many of us here are from christian homes or we've been brought up in christian ways and we we've looked at god as just god from sunday school but what jesus is telling us here in john chapter 17 is that father i have revealed to those you've given me the value of who you are the ultimate value of who he is far much more than anything you will ever have in this world for if you have your trust in the ulti- your ultimate trust in a person that person will pass away if it is in you you will pass away but there is one who so loves us that he has come and given us all his life and died for us drawn to us and given us life and jesus says in verse 23 i have given them the glory that you gave to me that they may be one with me i in them and you in me that we may join the dance of the trinity forever joyful that is worship do you understand the value of who you and i are in the lord of who the lord is that we may worship him I want to pray for us today given that we are always worshiping that we will move our worship from all those little things that worry us on a daily basis those things that capture our imagination to the real god the one who can satisfy us the one whose beauty in justice in holiness never ceases the one who is one day coming that we may worship him a worshiping community united in faith stepping up to partner with god in love alaska service leader to come up to just close for us at this particular time but as she comes up i just want to give us a moment to reflect where is your worship today who are you worshiping today what is worrying you today what is freaking you out today 
Is it your school fees? Is it your career? Is it your children's school fees? Is it your family? What is of ultimate value to you today? The name I told you last week, Elohim, the first word in the Bible, the first sentence, Elohim, means the mighty one. It means the one who is strong. Do you know him? Is he the one you worship? Or are there many weak things that are freaking you out, that are threatening you out, and yet you worship them? That control your life. That you ascribe the ultimate value to. As we pray together, Alaska service leader to just come up and close for us. That the Lord will put us in a place where we will see and understand where our ultimate value is. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.